0: Hi, I'm Josh.
1: And I'm Lindsay.
0: And this is the Hideaway Podcast, episode
1: 53. tres. That's
0: Portuguese. Another week, another podcast.
1: <laughs> yes, another week, another podcast.
0: Another week, another animal band.
1: Yeah that's now italy and ireland
0: they into both both countries entirely banned
1: it se- i mean i ha- i'm not like an expert on the on the topic i have to read the articles more clearly, but it seems like yes and ireland's is banning them beginning january 1st so mm. to the end of the year that's all they get to figure out a different place and like this article was saying maybe their mayor or the governor whatever the, the person of <laughs> of Ireland is. Uh-huh. I sound really unintelligent right now, but he was saying that that he knows that this is how a lot of people make their living. yearly living, but that people should be trying to find a new way to do that.
0: It makes me sort of wonder like <laughs> what is the thing fifty years from now that people are gonna look back on currently in shows that will get banned. Dammed. Obviously animals is sort of a different thing, but I wonder if Maybe risk taking, you know, they have the big airbag now for like the Walenda end high wire. Mm. They used to just do it over, you know, sawdust. They still do
1: it in some places
0: with no airbag. Yeah. I was wonder. I wonder what will be, you know, seem too antiquated to to keep in this business right. 50 well, years from now. Well, and
1: then an interesting other angle of this topic is that people in the community that think that animals shouldn't be banned was like, well, then zoos should technically be in the realm of being banned like animal shows at zoos. Yeah. Because like isn't like it's kind of the same thing, in a way. But they're not traveling with the circuit. I don't, you know. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's a tricky, tricky subject. We've tackled it a couple of times here on the podcast with a few of our guests. Yes. Both people who are pro and con animals in the in the circus, but it seems clearly that like the world is moving away from animals in the circus. Yeah, and
1: New York, and then they said that Scotland's probably soon to follow. Mm. So, New York. Ireland. Illinois. Illinois. California. Oh, California Illinois, California.
0: Many Italy. other places. Lots of those local areas, New Jersey, I think. Yeah. For womp all those
1: womp people. Womp womp. Oh well. You know, I don't Time, know.
0: Times are changing. We
1: should go to Africa. We could all see elephants there.
0: Yeah, go on safari. Yeah, yeah talk about elephants. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well we wouldn't have to get into politics, but the there's a whole another elephant thing going on right now.
1: <laughs> but another it's been a pretty slow news week so our our news our news coverage or things topics to talk about are pretty Limited. minimal but one thing switching up a little bit that's not circus but still in the the world of arts um i've been thinking a lot about this season of broadway shows mainly musicals that are opening
0: the 2017 18 season yes
1: and like three Four massive shows, one is not a musical, but could be, uh, are all movie-based. So you have Harry Potter, which yep. is opening in March, I think. Sounds about right. And it's a two-part show, so you have to buy tickets to two nights to see the whole show. So if, if
0: it gets nominated for a Tony, can they only nominate one, one, or can you nominate both jointly?
1: Oh my god, I don't know. Because you could, theoretically, right, it is two different places, you have to buy tickets to... Too, but it's the same cast and same writer.
0: What if it would split the vote or? I bet you, you it's. Know.
1: I bet you they'll say and nominated for best play is Harry Potter and the Cursed Child parts one and two. Yeah, you know, but okay, it's so you genius. got Harry Potter coming in. So you got Harry Potter. You have Frozen, uh, just a little just Disney a little musical. Disney
0: musical called Frozen.
1: You have SpongeBob, From which Nickelodeon. is Nickelodeon, and you have Mean Girls. Um, when Tina Fey is. Is writing the show.
0: I gotta say, I think out of all of those, I'm obviously excited to see Harry Potter, but I'm more excited to hear what the reception of Mean Girls is. Because I feel like something like Bring It On, other things that are in that genre in the musicals are either amazing or they tank. But I have a lot of faith in Tina Fey.
1: I did until I saw a photo of the four girls on stage. And it looks like. I don't know, I was like, oh man, like even the aesthetic of the Mean Girls movie, it's not something like it's particularly nice to look at on stage. It reminds me of Legally Blonde, it reminded me of Bring It On, the musical, like all of that genre is not nice to look at on stage. Do you know what I mean? Just
0: because it's so pedestrian in in the the world?
1: Yeah, and it's like in like the two thousands and which isn't a particularly interesting style era.
0: No, but I think if you do have really funny comedian actresses, singers, and really good comedy, that might be the thing that that separates it the way Book of Mormon is separated by just how funny it is compared to other musicals. Yes,
1: but I would say Book of Mormon is even, like, is so unrealistic. And stylized. And and stylized. Like, the problem with Legally Blonde and Mean Girls and Bring It On and... You
0: haven't seen Mean Girls yet. I haven't
1: seen Mean Girls, but, like... So it's something with those musicals is like, you know, who really wants to see a sh- I don't know, I like see a mean show girls. about I do. But it's like this weird like time period. I don't know.
0: I don't think people care about the time period. People like mean girls. They're gonna go see we'll see. The numbers will tell us. We'll Thankfully, see. Broadway numbers are are public so we can tangibly see, see how, how, how well a doing. show is doing.
1: Let's play a game. Let's play a game.
0: All right. So which ones do we think will gross the best or which one do you think will stay open the longest? What's the game?
1: The game is We'll do well. I guess we could do.
0: How about this for the bet? Okay. Which show closes first? Mean Girls, SpongeBob. I want to say the other one. Frozen. Frozen. <laughs> so well, we can assume Frozen, and Harry Potter just won't close.
1: Yeah, because it's Disney. They're
0: too. They got too much. Okay, so let's let's them. put it
1: down to SpongeBob and Mean Girls. That feels pretty fair. Yeah. However, SpongeBob is Nickelodeon, so they might have more like money to spend.
0: I definitely think there's a bigger bigger universal love for SpongeBob than I think there is for
1: And is like mean the Girls. honeymooners a TV show. Was it a TV show or a movie or something?
0: I don't know. Yeah, it sounds But about that's right. I
1: think coming in too.
0: So okay, so we're saying we think Mean Girls is you're gonna take Mean Girls or Spongebob? I'll take the other one.
1: The, to, as to what? Like, as
0: which will close first.
1: Hmm. It's really hard. They feel very equal. SpongeBob.
0: Great. I'll take Mean Girls. Listeners, send us your your <laughs> thoughts. Tweet them at us. Well,
1: you want to know why I picked SpongeBob? Yeah, sure. Because I think the carrying costs of the SpongeBob are probably higher.
0: But Viacom's got a bigger, you know, budget. Yeah, but
1: how much? How much? You know, how much do you lose before it's like?
0: You know, I say the same thing, but so I ran Paramore for a year with losses and then got a twenty grand buyout. So yeah,
1: no twenty million. Sorry, twenty million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't happen every day. But Mean Girls, I think, is probably a smaller. Show and I think it's a smaller house too, so it's less pressure. Pressure in a way.
0: I also feel like critics are more likely to give awards, even if *SpongeBob* is amazing, to yeah. things that aren't owned by big, um, big networks.
1: Yeah, like I bet you *Frozen* will get like a set design yeah. award or costumes, even if it's lighting. the best
0: musical of the year. It
1: won't get nominated. Yeah, but that's they never get
0: nominated get. maybe, but for
1: best musical, I don't think so. Really? I don't think so.
0: So who do you think is going to win best musical?
1: The band's visit. I'm like banking on the band's visit. It's so good. And it's like this small little musical where nothing happens. You know, it's like a night in these people's lives. And it's like the most beautiful, like touching, not overthought, not not overpushing musical I've seen in so long.
0: Mm. Well... That was our little Broadway roundup of 2017-18. Yeah. Let us know your thoughts.
1: Well, and if another musical comes in that's based on a movie, we can add it to the game.
0: The game? Okay, Yeah, but it can't
1: obviously be like a Frozen or a Harry Potter, which we know will just like sell a buttload of tickets and stay open. Okay. That's our game.
0: That's the game. Spongebob v. Mean (laughs) Girls.
1: Spongebob v. Mean Girls. Well, I'm really excited for this podcast today. Uh, We have Elaine Kramer on... As our interview, E, and I think I was just like, I could have listened to her tell stories about her life for another hour.
0: <laughs> so I met Elaine originally at the box when we were both maybe seventeen and eighteen. She is a eighth generation circus performer. Her family, I believe, is Argentinian. At least one side of it is originally then Mexican and then American. And uh, she's performed all over the world. She's competed and won at Monte Carlo. Elaine does this amazing handstand contortion number truly
1: that ends with a bow and arrow that she shoots with her feet to a target like 20 feet away
0: it's really impressive it's it's for sure one of my favorite Hanson acts I loved it so much I cast it in Rose Rabbit Lie the show I worked on in Las Vegas with Spiegelworld And then, of course, she's in Big Apple this year, and she was in Big Apple Mm -hmm. about five years ago as well. So we talk about Big Apple, what's going on with it, what's the difference between the old and the new one, sort of similar kind of discussion we had with Mark. But we also talk about what it's like to be a multi-generational circus performer growing up in a circus family, how you learn such a discipline when you're not doing it through school, but when your dad is teaching it to you. Mm -hmm. Just a really interesting perspective, particularly for those who are interested in the more traditional classical circus.
1: Yes. And it's just so different than anything that I, you know, I had no friends in the circus. So it's like, wait, well, you grew up traveling around in a t- trailer with your family and you learned to contort your body at four. Um, so I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And uh, if you like our podcast, make sure to rate us on iTunes, subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, Twitter, tweet us, email us at hello at hideawaycircus.com. And for those of you who are American or are in America celebrating Thanksgiving, happy
2: Thanksgiving! Here's Elaine.
0: Elaine, where did you grow up?
2: Um, I grew up most, I mean, most of what I remember is in the States. I was born in Mexico, in Guadalajara, but my parents left Mexico and went back to Argentina when I was two. So I was in Argentina until I was seven, and then we came to the States.
0: And are your parents circus performers?
2: Yes, both of my parents are circus performers. I'm a sixth generation on my dad's side and about an eighth generation on my mom's side. Did you think that
0: was cool as a kid? Did you realize that was unusual at all?
2: I didn't realize it was unusual. I mean, uh, (laughs) my whole family was in circus. My friends were in circus. You know, everyone I knew was in circus. So for me, it was like a normal thing to just be in the circus business.
1: They do that thing where you're like a baby and they balance you. Yeah, they balance you. I was like, Josh, we have kids. you're doing that my
2: balancing them my mom actually used she had there's a picture of her because she used to do trapeze so Uh there's a picture of her holding me on a trapeze and I'm like gripping on and I was just a baby like I wasn't even a year old and I was like gripping onto the trapeze so yeah there's a whole bunch of those pictures so your mom did trapeze
1: and what did your dad
2: do my mom was an aerialist overall so she did um she started off with a robot She did aerial rope, um, and then she moved on to doing hair hang, which is the act that she did the longest. Um, She also did uh, trapeze and lyra, and my father was an acrobat, so he did—they grew up in a really small family circus, so every year they had to, like,
0: think of new acts
2: and do different things with all of his cousins and brothers, Um, so he did a lot of— a lot of acts in the circus including teeter board and horseback riding and um he did wire and slack rope was the act that he did after he left the circus and he was with my mom so mm-hmm. he did slack and rope he's still for, clowning um, now right? and now he converted into a clown because <laughs> it's much easier on his body so uh, what show is he in now he's in circuitalia oh, awesome. oh is that the water show it's the the yeah with the dancing water stage and yeah it's oh, really sweet kind of and you have a brother as well, right? He's I have a former. younger brother. Um, yeah, he's also a performer. He does a hand balancing act. Um, and he's, like, kind of multi-talented. So besides his hand balancing act, which is his main act, he also does, like, rollabola and juggling and a whole bunch of other stuff. And um, he's working in Vargas, Circus Vargas, oh, with nice. my family over there. So well, you're, like, a young
0: kid at some point. You're 10, 11, and you're starting to realize that, like, not everybody maybe is like you. Was, did you just know that you wanted to do circus? Did you have any point of like rebellion in your teenage years?
2: Um, I've always liked uh, kind of, <laughs> as a child, I've always liked being the center of att- attention. So like at parties, I'd do be, like back, back bends or walkovers <laughs> or something. Um, I, I loved performing. My parents um, put me in their bicycle act at a really young age. I was only like three. When I started, my mom would dress me up like her, and she would, I'd just be dancing in the background, basically. Um, and I just, I loved that. I loved being in the ring and having people cheer and, you know, making people laugh. So, yeah, I've always, I know that this is what I wanted to do. And if I wasn't in circus, they always ask me this question, like, what would you do? I said, I probably would be in the entertainment business, as, you know, mm. like an actress or maybe, maybe a dancer, because I like working with my body as well, so... I would do something of the sort.
0: And so, I'd say you are famous for your handstand act. How did that sort of come to be? Like, who taught it to you? I'm guessing it was your parents, but what was that process like?
2: Um. Okay, so when I was four years old, my parents were working in a circus in Mexico when they went back to do a tour. Um, and I met a girl who was a contortionist, and I loved her act, and I would watch it, like, every day. She didn't do any hand balancing, but she... Because back then it was like two separate acts. Now it's more of a, you know, it's more common to see combined contortion and hand balancing. But she was a beautiful contortionist and I loved her act. And my dad was like, well, if you want to start doing that, we have to start training. And I was like, yeah, Yeah, sure. (laughs) So I would like stretch with her and then always have my dad there with me. And then when we left the circus, um, I continued, you know, wanting to be like her and, So I started my actual like everyday training with my father around the age of eight, where he was like, okay, you need to either go to school, like stay in school with your mom or you continue doing homeschool. But you got to, if you're going to stay in the circus, you got to, you know, do something. And I was like, well, I want to stay in the circus. So, (laughs) um, so yeah, so I just started practicing with my dad, um, as the years went by, of course, I would train sometimes with Russians when we were in the show with like Russians hand balancers, um, Mongolian. I had a Mongolian teacher at one point as well for the contortion. Um, a Q- Cuban hand balancer. So I've I have like I don't really have a technique from one. Um, how do you say it? School like from system. one school. Yeah, it's kind of just like whatever (laughs) anything that came along any tips that would help me I would take it and put it into my into my training
0: so did you also know like a lot of other teenagers who were in a similar position to you who were you know multi-generation and in these shows and learning acts
2: yeah I mean I've always had some kind of you know teenagers or kids in the shows where I was in um there was always families and it was always um nice to have that because everyone's always training something and when you have other kids your age it's sort of like it makes it fun to train and it makes it sort of like a competition like oh i can do this oh but i can do that you know i can and get my leg
1: like, all the way around yeah. my entire body <laughs> so, yes.
2: so it, it becomes sort of like a game during practice time which is much more fun than if you're just by yourself you know with your trainer and just have to cover that two or three hours of training um so, yeah, that, that didn't seem... It was also like going to school for me, you know? I mean, for me, the most boring thing was doing homeschool because then mm-hmm. I was by myself. I couldn't have any distractions, you know? Um, but practicing was always a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> what was the first show that you had, like, your first solo act
2: in? My first time actually performing um, the Contortion Act was at age seven but that it was just like a thing we put together because it was my dad's birthday Mm. so my mom made me like a costume in like a day (laughs) and it was all a secret and everybody helped and yeah and so that was my first time doing the contortion act but it wasn't like professional until um when i was around i would say 11 um then i started really working hard and just working every day and um at age 12 I went to my first circus competition um
0: where was the competition that
2: was in Latina Italy Mm -hmm. and it came out really good because you know being my first competition I just didn't I didn't really think about winning or you know I just wanted to be there I was happy to be there and um I came out uh second place (laughs) so that was actually really good um And then it just kind of pushed me forward to to doing more and um, getting to travel more with my act and everything, so.
0: Was there there a company? I'm just sorry.
2: I'm just thinking about like, like, this is all just like so crazy to me. You're
1: like, yeah, well, I was like 11, 12. I did my first competition, got second. Yeah. But like, so what was like a typical day for you? So you do like training and then homeschool and and this whole time, where are you living? Like, are you in a show, in a trailer or like? I just, this whole life is so cool, so I want, like, a day in the life. (laughs) At like 11.
2: Um, At 11. uh, I was, okay, so I had to wake up early. Um, I would practice first. Uh, Then I would have kind of, like, a late breakfast. Um, Homeschool. And after that, I would probably have lunch and then i would just hang out with my brother or my friends we'd go to the movies or watch a movie at home or i don't know play outside depending on the weather and where we were at the time because we were traveling almost every day we were in a traveling circus so i was living in a trailer with my mom my dad and my brother um yeah do you think so you feel that that was... we have roots
0: down anywhere like that that you would call you home like like maybe Sarasota I don't know, I'm Sarasota or somewhere like that, or we d- Vegas or- We do
2: have a house. We have a house uh, near Orlando. It's the town is called Palm Bay, Florida, and um that's where I live. But it doesn't feel it's so weird. It doesn't really feel like home. Like I, I, I miss it and I when I'm there I enjoy enjoy the first like week or so. <laughs> but then it's like the first, the second, the third week. Getting it's itchy. like okay, I I need to get out, I need right. to do something. Um <laughs> So, yeah, it's weird. Like, I would feel more comfortable in a hotel or in a trailer or, yeah, it's... On the road. On the road, yeah. Just traveling.
0: So, I think we first (laughs) met at The Box as, like, teenagers who probably shouldn't have been there at that age. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, actually, my first time performing at The Box was I had just turned 18. So, I wasn't allowed to actually be in there (laughs) But I would perform, and then, like, kind of, they were like, okay, you got to go now. <laughs> <laughs> I would just come in, do my act, and then have to leave. Um, that was, yeah, that was probably the first time we met. Um, yeah, it was quite a while ago. How did you hear about the box? Like, from what happened between age 12 and 18? More shows than my guess. So, guests. more shows, yes. Um, I also did another circus festival in... In Mexico, um, I did the Circus Festival Junior Competition in Monte Carlo, and then I did the adult competition in Monte Carlo when I was 15, um, which was, I think to this day, I'm still the youngest female solo performer that has ever performed in the Monte Carlo adult competition.
0: Nice. Would you describe what uh, Monte Carlo competition is like and what what kind of acts are in it for somebody who does, knows very little, maybe he's like a student at a circus school or something? So
2: Monte Carlo, um, in Monte Carlo they hold a yearly circus competition, which is, to put it in perspective, is like the Grammys, yeah. you know, for circus performers. It's the biggest thing. And, um... Luckily, at the time, I didn't really know how important it was because I think I just would have been super nervous. I mean, I was already nervous, but just now picturing it, like if I would have known, I I don't know if I could have done it. Um, I was supposed to go a year, two years before. And um, I was... What was I doing? Oh, I couldn't go because I was doing... uh, I was making my green card. So I couldn't leave the country for that time. So we postponed it to the year after. And then it was the 40th anniversary. Or no, the 30th anniversary of Monte Carlo. So then I couldn't go either because they wanted me to go but not to compete. And my dad Mm -hmm. was like, I'd prefer you to be in the competition because you're going to be with a whole bunch of acts that have already been there and have already won. And you're just kind of not going to be... People aren't gonna be so remembered. Yeah. Right. You're not gonna be remembered or anything. So good data. Yeah. Dad-ager. <laughs> so datager. Well it's not mama yeah. Dadager. <laughs> so we waited another year and then when I arrived to Monte Carlo, unfortunately my props didn't. And so
0: props being like your handstand table cane, yeah. I had I had
2: like three luggages that were props and Then one personal luggage, which did arrive. And so the table is split up between the table, the bow and arrow, the handstand prop. I was like, she does a crossbow. It's a bow and and arrow. I
1: was like, I really think I remember seeing a bow and arrow.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Everyone gets that. Yeah, it tells me, like, oh, do you do a crossbow? I'm like, no. no. That would be very hard. Yeah, I was like, how the do you do a Oh, that would be hard, The
0: bow and arrow is not so hard, but no. a crossbow, that yeah. would be
1: hard. I was literally just whole time to like, wait, how the fuck does
0: she do? <laughs> Those who are listening. Elaine does a handstand at the end of her, I mean, oh, throughout her number, but at the end with a bow and arrow in her toes and then pops a balloon that's, like, I don't know, 20 feet away, 30 feet away.
2: Yeah, it. I don't know how far it is here. It's a bit closer here. Yeah. At the box I do it at like really like short distance. Feet, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's actually the stage is four feet, so I do it about four. Yeah, about four, four feet. feet. Yeah, and it's really small, so yeah, it always changes <laughs> depending on where I am. Um, so not all your
0: props arrived.
2: So not all my props arrived, and um, we had about a week and a half of rehearsals. So all the whole rehearsals, like people were, you know getting used to the ring, uh, getting used to the lights, you know, testing music and all that. And I'm just sitting there waiting oh for the airport to be like, your stuff arrived. The worst part is I would call the airport and they would be like, oh, I, we don't actually know where it is. And I'm like, how do you not know where it is? Like, it's either in France or it's in America. Like, right. you can't, where you know, where else is going to be? So um, I was already like, okay, well, I'm not going to be able to perform. Like, how am There's two days of competition worth of acts because there's so many performers and so many acts. um, There's just not possible to fit in one show. So Mm -hmm. they they divide it into groups. So there's group A and group B. I was originally supposed to be in group A, which is the first show. Um, And they had to move me to group B because they knew that tomorrow I was not going to be able to perform. So my dad wakes up that day and he's like, well... We're going to go make a prop. We're going to make a table. Because the only thing I had was my, I had my canes and I had my bow and arrow and my mouthpiece. But I didn't have the table. It's like, we're going to make a table. I'm like, you're crazy, Dad. (laughs) So we actually found a place. I made it in 24 hours. The only reason why they made it was because of the festival. So they made the table. It arrives the day that I'm supposed to perform, which is already the second day of work. And they move me from the first half to the second half of the show because there was just no way I could make it. The table arrives 15 minutes before doors. I was the only one allowed in the ring just to test lights for 15 minutes, take the table out, and the whole first half of the show, I'm getting used to the table. And we realize that the table tilts over when I step on the edge And the ends, because my table is made of three legs. So every end, like, would, like, tilt over because the legs were completely straight rather than kind of having an angle. And we didn't think of that when, you know, we were just like, just make a table. (laughs) Um, So I had a really limited space to move around in the table. And also my dad had broken his femur before flying, so he had a hard time walking. And he would always walk with a cane. But, of course, when we had to do the show, he'd just, like, suck it up and just go in and do was it. a circus
1: performer for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to I'm out. He's like,
2: no, I'm going and I don't need a cane. And he hands me the bow and arrow to my feet. So when he hands it to me, he has to be at a certain height because otherwise I don't reach it. Well, we didn't realize that the table was also much higher taller than it normally is so he didn't reach especially with his hip hurting every time he would you know like stretch up so i would have to bend down pick the arrow up and then come (laughs) all the way back up and then aim um so that was interesting uh we had a whole week worth of shows and you know uh, the whole competition and then after the competition we have a week worth of shows so it's like two weeks um the table never arrived until like the very last I think there was like three days left of shows. Oh. This was after the competition and everything. Oh, in the competition it actually came out really good. I came out third oh, in the well, competition. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, that was a very stressful time. I guess worth but it though. It was worth yeah. it, yes. Um And then the table came, like, the three last days. And I was like, I'm not setting that up. I'm I'm done. (laughs) I was just using this one. (laughs) So, um, yeah, but it was a really great experience and really fun. I would not be able to do it right now if I, like, knowing, like I said, knowing how important that competition was and everything, I probably wouldn't be able to do it nowadays. I feel like younger, I didn't have any stress or any, I didn't think, things through like I was just like, oh, okay.
1: You're more ignorant when you're younger, so you're more blissful about everything.
2: Yeah. You know, yeah. and then
1: you don't realize till later when you're like, oh, this is really important. I need to really do well.
2: Yeah. When you're young, you're like, who
1: cares? Yeah. I got <laughs> this. do it. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you learn to shoot a crossbow with your No sorry. Oh my God. now you got me too. <laughs> bow <and arrow. laughs> a bow and arrow with your feet. Um, upside down.
2: How did I do that? Okay. Um, I was
1: like, I want to do this. I'm going to learn how to do so, this.
2: So, the story goes way back. My I was not even born when this when this trick came to be. My My father was performing in the islands of Samoa, western Samoa. He was touring around with the circus. <laughs> and in one of the islands, he goes into a restaurant that has, like, pictures of people on the walls like famous people or people that were interesting that came to the restaurant and um my dad was always fascinated by like you know singers and just entertainment business in general there's like, a lot of comedians that were on the walls and one of those pictures was a woman you the, the pictures was taken on the year 61 and the woman is holding a handmade bow with her feet and a handmade arrow is in inside of it and she's holding it with her feet while on her like in the mouthpiece position so that's like one of the first tricks that i do in my act and so she's on that position with holding the this bow and arrow we don't know if she was aiming at a target or it was just part of the trick Mm -hmm. or we don't know exactly but um it's a beautiful picture, which I also have a copy of. Because my dad asked for a copy when we were there. He was like, oh, this is great. Like, He was like, yeah, this is um, a circus that came a couple of years ago. And my father actually took this picture and put it on our wall. And so my dad was like fascinated by the story and the trick and everything. We'd never seen anything like it. Him and my mom, because I wasn't even there yet. <laughs> And so he asked for the for for a copy of the photo. He kept the 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 photo all these years. And then my father was like saying to my mom, "If we have a girl, she's she's, going she's to gonna this learn trick. this trick." And my mom's like, "Okay, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go again." <laughs> um, and then when I was seven, my he he already knew that I liked contortion and I already was into this. So he showed me this picture and he's like. You want to try this, and I was like, "All right, let's see what happens." And we actually bought a bow and arrow, and we started trying it, and it was not very good the first, <laughs> the first uh, two years, and then we actually got it up and running, and we put it into the act. Oh, so you Gosh. started learning it when you were seven. I started learning this Man, trick. And badass seven, seven year old. Yeah. I shoot
1: a bow and arrow with my feet. <laughs> and is, so the bow and arrow that you use is it specially made for you or is it
2: just a? No, it's a. It's um It's just a bow. How do you call it with the wheel bearings? It's just a regular like bow that you buy in a store. I have to get it at a certain weight because I have another bow. That I bought recently, and it just doesn't work because it's way too heavy and it makes my back hurt. Oh. So I tried to get lightweight bows, but also, um, you know, good enough that it's for adults and not for children, mm-hmm. so the string can actually pull back, and I have a much more precise shot. So, <laughs> so, yeah. so
0: um, you've worked on like a lot of different kinds of shows. I know this from hearing you talk about the traditional shows and also the shows yeah. we've worked on together like the Spiegel World Show in Las Vegas and the Fox. What is it like adapting your acts? I imagine everywhere you go people are like, okay, here's a new costume and here's a new song and like maybe here's a little bit of choreography. But essentially you're doing like the same core core elements. Can you just talk a little bit about like what that's like having to constantly change it up a little bit, if it's fun, if it's challenging, maybe like one or two stories where it was like maybe really bad, the choices (laughs) people wanted you to have are good.
2: So there's always going to be, I think, some sort of disagreement when you go to a show that chooses your music, your costume, or changes your routine. Because I feel that as a performer, you kind of are proud of what you do and you're like, yeah, I chose this music. Yeah, I chose the routine and I, you know, I designed my costume. Um, So... In a way, you kind of like, you feel pride and you don't really want, you know, especially if you don't like it. Like, if you don't like the music, you're just like, well, I can't work to this for a year. Yeah. Um, And if it's like a short time, like I work in a lot of nightclubs where a lot of times you just work to whatever the DJ is playing at the time, (laughs) which a lot of times is good. And a lot of times it's like, oh my goodness, I can't wait till this is finished. (laughs) so um oh cool. Cool. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's the same beat yeah.
1: on and on like this isn't really helping with my bending <laughs> <Yeah>. moment. <laughs>
2: um, because you i mean as a performer you want to enjoy what you're doing you know you want to feel comfortable in what you're wearing you want to mm-hmm. love the music so you really get into it um you know the routine matters a lot because it just gets you in the zone to depending on what character you're playing because i i find that i play along with whatever the music is and whatever my costume is i try to make a character to it and kind of play along with it. It Mm. helps me just have fun and like motivates the performance. performance. Yes. Thank you. That was a perfect (laughs) explanation. (laughs) Um, so there's always going to be some sort of conflict. Um, when I was in, when I was performing with Vegas Nocturne, um, at the Rose Rabbit Lie theater in Vegas, um, the director was great. Uh, the good thing is I have i don't think I've had one director that hasn't been understanding. So, mm. so far, it's been good. Like, I explained to them, like, I can't do this or we need to change the music or we need to figure out a way that my costume actually what stretches. <laughs> right, right. The for,
0: I remember the Road of song you had. It was such a crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Josh
1: Track. was trying to remember it on the subway.
2: I had two, two yeah. because the show there was very... Uh, you um, won twice, Right. Well, actually, three times. It was three, for me, it was basically three shows, two actual performances, and one was just kind of like a show and tell for, for the people in the other room. It was a very odd show, like it was very, like you had the ballroom where people pay the ticket to watch a show, and then behind the ballroom, it was like the dinner area, so people are having dinner. <laughs> And some acts are just performing or coming out of performing and just kind of playing characters. And then you have another room, which is like a secret room where just only VIP people get picked to go there. And then you put on a little sneak peek of what you do in the show. So there's like... I performed in all three of these. (laughs) Uh, So the first show we had in the ballroom, it was very, like, very slow music and... Um, we, I had a singer, uh, Chrissy right? yeah, yeah. was singing, uh, during my act, which was very beautiful. I loved remember having, the song? it was so weird. It was like animal. Does it one to do with animal? Yeah, yeah, it's animal. <laughs> uh, I can't remember it. Uh.
0: it was such a weird track. Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, but I tried to just listen it. Chrissy's voice. She's She's amazing, <laughs> she's an amazing singer. Yeah, she's amazing. And and it, I loved the fact that I because I I'm so used to working on my own, like doing just my own thing. It was really nice to feel like oh, it was like a two like a duet almost like yeah. a two person thing. It was really fun. And then the evening show, in that in that uh first one I wore kind of like um Skin colored leotard with like white tattoos everywhere, like words, you know, different like inspirational like words, and then like kind of a white corset over it. Um, and then in the evening show, you was a corset, was it? What could you? No, it was not. There was no like, oh, there was no boning, no boning. I was like, how the hell are you? Ow, ow. uh. Um, and in the and then I did the evening show, which was the <coughs> sorry, uh, was the nightclub. So that was like I wore like a black kind of costume, um, the and the mood either. yeah the mood was <laughs> like the there was like night nightclub lights and the music was much more upbeat. Um, and then in the other room, it was just sort of whatever. Elevator music was playing in the room, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was really fun. Um, and the costumes for that show, I loved both the costumes. Yeah, that guy's
0: awesome. He did the Mulan rouge costumes. Yes, uh, the movie, not the, not the show. Yeah,
2: they were. Yeah, they were really good. They fit really well. And actually, the guy who made those costumes actually made my costume for Big Apple this year. Oh. Yeah. Um, I am not sure if it was the designer, but it was definitely the the seamstress. the seamstress that made it yeah he he's great.
0: Um, What's a good transition? Would you talk a little bit about the difference between the first time you did Big Apple when it was a nonprofit five years ago and yeah. doing it now uh, at the revamped, relaunched Big Apple?
2: Um, as a performer, I don't notice much of a difference. Um, I mean, we still have you know we still have the band playing a a track. We still have, you know, costumes that were made for the show. The biggest difference in the show is that there's not an actual theme more than just, you know, performers doing their thing, you know. Um, I really do enjoy that I'm performing with my own music that I normally Mm -hmm. use all the time. Um, The band is playing that and I'm I'm really happy about that because I love the way the band plays it and they're making it a little bit more um, I work to an opera music, mm-hmm. uh, so they're making it a bit more, like, rock and roll style. So it's really fun to work to that, um, and I don't know. Uh, the cast is great in the show. Like, I'm, I'm really happy. It was also great five years ago, um, but this year it just everybody just sort of clicked the mm-hmm. first couple days that we were in rehearsals and everything. Um, As a performer, do you like? Like, do you like having a theme or like a She's reason? just gonna for,
1: ask
0: that.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> a reason for being in this show, or do you like it just being like, this, there's no theme, there's no like it's meaning. It's just about, it's just about the, sh-
2: well. the acts. Like I said, I always in my act, I always try to play something or just play along with mm-hmm. some sort of thing. So I, I do like having a theme. Like. Yeah. Five years ago when I was in the show, it's was the Legendarium, so um, I played a part of a Native American, um, hence the bow and arrow and the body tattoos on the mm-hmm. on the costume, and, um, and I really loved it. I loved playing that part. Um, I wasn't so crazy about the music in the beginning and the costume, but we made it work and it and then the costume turned out to be great the music turned out to be really good too um it's just a matter of working with other people to make it what you you know what you feel comfortable with Mm -hmm. um but yeah that show was really fun I I loved playing uh, you know playing a part that was kind of part of history Mm -hmm. um especially in the New York area um
1: especially if you like acting if like if that's something that could have inspired you as a performer. You yeah. know, it's it's fun to be like, this is my role in this show and not just, like, come out and do your yeah. thing. And But I, I I did... I have to say, when I saw your act, I did feel like it was a character... Like, I was watching, like, someone doing this thing and not just, like... You know, I think sometimes traditional... More traditional-looking performers come out and they're like, "I'm doing these tricks. I'm doing this act, and they're amazing." She's just very athletic. It's really, but yeah, it's like really like athletic and impressive. But what I liked about your act a lot was that I felt like there was something going on in the act, even though your tricks are like insane and like really impressive. Yeah, you know, but I did,
2: I did, I did get that. I I get this a lot from people. Like they're like, "Oh, are you?" Did you see me in the audience? Like I was oh. like sometimes it's friends or just people yeah. that come to watch the show. They're like, Oh, like my my daughter was like doing, you know, all the hand movements. Did you see her? And I was like, No. <laughs> it's like, Oh, but you were looking right at us and I'm like, I can't no. Um like I don't think people understand. Like I they can see me very well, but right. like away from what the light is, like I can't see past that. Right. Like I can't see even the first row. It's really hard for me to see people's faces but (laughs) i feel that i get that a lot because um i like even if i don't know if there's people sitting there a lot of times like it's in the back seats and there's nobody sitting there um but i just you know kind of imagining people there and i kind of imagine looking into their eyes and just um, smiling at them and people buy it that i'm actually looking at them (laughs) or i saw them you know um, you know, this guy with the camera the other day, he brought me he brought me a picture's cause he came like a couple shows back. He's like, Oh, that's perfect. Like I'm glad you got to see the camera because I got perfect shots of oh, you what? looking straight into the camera and I was like, Oh, <laughs> I didn't know you were there. <laughs> so Oh
0: that's great. Yeah. So I have this is a random question, but right now your hair is dyed blue. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm wondering teal. if you're thank you for saying teal.
2: you know, blue and teal, because a lot of people say green, and I'm like, stop green <laughs> no, no. it's like the best
0: yeah um, it's like mermaid color yeah I also that <laughs> people who do hair hanging acts are like very particular about not damaging your their hair yeah so is your mom like what are you doing you're not you can't do hair hanging anymore
2: my mom actually never wanted me to do hair hanging. I've always wanted to do hair hang and she was always like no why not she, painful or? she's like yeah it's very painful I'm like mom I'm a contortionist right. <laughs> <laughs> so I know about pain Um, but yeah she was always Always like yeah, it's it's hard because like in the winter you have wet you have to wet your hair to you know get it to work like that. Like a lot of times she would have to keep her hair dirty and then just wash it on the first day off. Mm. And then kind of if it was too clean to you know to tie her hair on the on the days that she would work, she'd have to use like soap and just kind of make it you know dirty and dry and. She's like, yeah, it just damages your hair a lot. And then there's also, of course, if you don't know how to do the correct knots in your hair, then you can get like um, uh, sort of blood clots. And -hmm. if you get them, my mom always got them outside, thankfully. But if you get them inside, you won't know. And then it's very dangerous. So... Um, a lot of things like that. And she was just like, yeah, it's just, not worth it. it's not worth it. I, I think hair hanging is beautiful. Like, I love the act and it's, it's sort of a lost art right now. But it's now. coming back.
0: I think. I've I seen think a few so. people.
2: Um, yeah, I hope so because yeah. it's very beautiful and I, I It's really, really like crazy.
1: It. The first time I saw, yeah. I was like,
0: yeah. wait, yeah. are they
1: hanging? Oh, wait, is that their hair? But my
0: first time hair. seeing hair hanging, I'd only seen it like in a fell show where it's basically just like, you get pulled up straight and then you spin yeah. and you yeah. come back down. But I recently saw, um... The video footage from what's the new Cirque show? Uh, Volta what's has that? a hair hanging out, oh, and the girl is swinging yeah, with her hair. Yeah. It, it, wow. It's much more impressive yeah. when you see people do it, um, like what you might do with straps or something, where you get lifted right. and you're spinning in your in the air. And... Well,
1: speaking of like pain, how did you learn how to support your entire body contorted
2: upside down on your teeth?
0: And does that hurt your teeth? And are you? Did your like dentist say what do you do? It
2: doesn't hurt my teeth. No. Um, it actually fixed my teeth a lot because um I bite onto this like it's sort of like a leather leather piece that you bite onto and then the front of it is is also like sticking out so then your teeth don't pass the point of, you know, if, uh-huh. if I weren't to like grip on then you know, I'm not going to inhale the pull right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um it actually fixed my teeth a lot because that you know like pressed my teeth in and um it's not very painful on the teeth it's when I was learning it it was very painful on my tailbone oh. and the top of my head because the tailbone would touch the top of my head and then I would get like a callus um that's so insane that your tailbone touches the top of your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like oh yeah uh, so it, on the teeth it wasn't that and I'm not actually biting as hard as people think uh, I yeah, am it's more like
0: resting on it's there it's
2: more like resting because my weight is like on top of my head so uh, I just have to just stay hold there. it yeah um, yeah and it's not, it's very different from hanging uh, one um, Erendia Walenda which is Nick Walenda's wife she actually hangs yeah. Uh, by her teeth, and we were just talking about it the other day, because, you know, we, we use our teeth right. for <laughs> tricks. So we were talking about, like, the techniques, and we, it's very different, actually, one from the other. Like, she actually needs to bite on it, otherwise she'll slip. Right. Um, yeah. What's her mouthpiece yeah. look like? Like a ball? Sort Hers of you, actually or? has a curved at the, at the inside, uh. so she can... You know, she Uh has more grip Uh when she bites into it. Mm -hmm. And mine's, like, kind of flat and then just has the thing in the front. So, yeah... We were just having mouthpiece talk between some performers. <laughs> yes, yeah. normal conversation. Are there,
0: are there any shows that you you have on your bucket list you haven't done yet, or competitions where you're like, at some point in my career, I'm definitely gonna have to do that, or I want to do that?
2: So I'm 25 now. Um, gonna be 26 in February, and I'm just done with competitions. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really want to do anymore. Um, I did one in the beginning of this year, in January in Switzerland, um, and that was. I, it just kind of came to be because the guy was just really excited. I'd never been to Switzerland. So I was like, okay, I want to go. And it was a very chill competition. It wasn't like, you know, it was almost just like a show that we Mm -hmm. did, you know, and then at the end they were like, oh, we're going to hand out prizes. You know, it wasn't stressful in any way or, so that was fun. Um, but I don't really want to do any more competitions. I think I've, I, I already am a very nervous person when I'm going to work, I'm just in a regular show. So, like, going to a competition right now... Amps that up. Yeah, it just would be too much for me. And it's funny that you get
1: nervous, because I, I would think that since you've been performing since you were, like, four, it must
2: just feel like this is what you do. So, here's the funny thing. Um, I find that when people already know who you are, they expect from you and i i really feel that like i perform a lot in in europe eh, for the christmas time so i go to like christmas shows and um the thing is that people in in europe just in general people that go to watch shows like they don't actually have to be performers or anything but they know what they're going to go watch like they they know they're performers they know they research on the people like they see the program and they already read the names and you know google them and they already know what they're gonna watch yeah so it's very different from here where it's sort of a surprise you know (laughs) um what's that yeah (laughs) Yeah.
0: it's a surprise but you're one of the featured names in the big apple ad
2: so yeah but that's the thing (laughs) a lot of people actually remember me from five years ago when i was in big apple so it's a different thing when you're when you know that Mm. people are expecting from you yeah um where it's just, you know, when you just go to a place that you've never been before, people have no idea who you are. You're just kinda like doing your thing and if it goes well, it goes well. If not, it's okay. Nobody you know, I'll bother. have another show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have another show tomorrow. But um but yeah, it's it's a different it's a different feeling. I think that's what I feel now. Um, even a lot of times like people will say my name. I don't I don't really realize how much people know of me. Like when I went to Argentina now uh, before starting with Big Apple, I went back to Argentina after f- six years of not going there. Um, I went and I performed there. And uh, some girls that were starting contortion and stuff, they would come up to me. And one of them actually started crying. And I was like, why are you crying? She's like, oh, it was always my dream to meet you. And it's this like, you know, 12-year-old girl. And she's, I'm like, wow, it, it, I really, it's it's beautiful to inspire people. But at the same time, it's like, I can't lack off, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, God, people are really watching yeah, me. Yeah, people are actually watching me. And, um, yeah, it's just, I think that's why I just mm. don't want to do any more competitions or anything. I just want to... What about
0: shows? Is there any? Is there a circus there oh, that yeah. you're
2: just like... Um, I did Roncalli's... Uh, I did Rome Kelly last year for That's Christmas. a German tent show. The German uh, show. I did their theater show because it was in Christmas. Mm. They have two shows in Christmas. They they have their tent show and then they have a, a show in a theater um, in Berlin. And I did the mm. Berlin theater show. It was very beautiful. And it was... It's always been one of my dreams to work in Roncalli, but you know the touring tent show. Roncalli, um, for for circus people, is like Disneyland. It's <laughs> it's very beautiful and it's sort of spotless and it's got all these beautiful vintage circus wagons. It's nearly like a hundred um, years old,
0: right? Yeah, point, it's yeah.
2: yeah, and it's and it's very um like the tent is really small and it's mm-hmm. very intimate and it's just for. A solo performer, especially, I think it's very important to have that intimacy and that, you know, kind of you get to see people's faces when you're performing. And um, so that's that's always but been a dream. A big of mine. Apple tent,
1: you're like 20 feet away
2: Yeah. Well, from the first row. Yeah, it's it's actually really nice to work in Big Apple, too. And it was really nice to come back because when you're also when you work in theaters and stuff, it's just so big and it, you feel so disconnected mm-hmm. from the audience that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, it's still a nice feeling, but I'd prefer, I mean, we're working for the audience and we want to know what, you know, we want to express what we're feeling. So when you get to work so close, it's much, it's much more intense, Mm. you know, for the experience of the audience and for your experience as well. Yeah. So.
0: Okay. So Roncalli, anything else on the bucket list?
2: Um, (laughs) I would also like to work in Soleil, but I think that would be... Probably towards the end of my yeah. career. Um I've I've worked, I've done events for them, I've been called many times to do their shows, but it either hasn't been the, the right booked. circumstances. Yeah, it hasn't been the right time or, you know They the, typically do a lot of like group contortion, right? So
0: they uh, have like solo hands
1: Yeah. Hands. I was I guess yeah do some stand. water bowl.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was called to do um the part that Olga Pikankov, which is one of my top favorite um, hand bouncing performers, she was in Kidam, right? Original she was in cast. Kidam, that was her first, I believe, soleil, and then she did Verikai. So I was called for oh, right. Kidam a uh, long time ago, and then a couple of years back, I was called to do Verikai. Um But I had just signed.
0: Yeah, you gotta do contract. original creation, you gotta And account. that's what yeah. I want to
2: do. Um, I, I would like to do an original creation because then I get to do more of what I do and right. not have to, you know, go into some, someone's role, go into yeah. someone's role. Um, just because I it's hard for me, like a lot of people think like, oh, hand balancing, it's all the same or contortion, it's all the same. But everyone has their style and their different ways of doing, you know, things. And it would be very hard for me to play. I mean. would be hard for anybody to play a different you know role Mm. that is already existing but um but i don't know i just i think it would be much funner to
0: be in a new creation and more rewarding
2: yeah
0: awesome so i think we've reached that time on a podcast where we ask each of our guests the same three final questions okay the first one is has there been a piece of advice really good or really bad that somebody has given you and has stuck with you
2: i don't see advices as bad advices like I think that people give their opinions and you either take it or leave it and you know it works for some people, for other people it doesn't Um, good advices Um, so there's a hand balancer which is a Cuban friend of uh, my family's and he's worked in Soleil and many other shows uh, Rocardi and he was one of my trainers at one point. And he, he did tell me, which it kind of stuck with me because I was still a kid, still learning. And um, he was a big inspiration in my work too. So he said to me, he's like, even when you think you have reached your potential or when you think you're happy with what you're doing, It shouldn't you should never feel that. It's like you should always try to aim for higher and always try to practice more. He says that's what's gonna keep you young inside as well Mm -hmm. as the outside. And that's what's gonna inspire people as well. he says when you feel too comfortable with what you're doing, it's like people can see that from the outside and it shows in your work. So I try I try to put that into my work all the time.
0: That's a great piece of advice. A second question is, we have a lot of people who listen who are on the younger age of the spectrum as well. Mm-hmm. And for somebody who's just realizing they love circus, is there a show or a book or a movie or just any circus reference that you love and you would recommend that they try to experience too?
2: Um, depending on what they're working on, I think... I don't know about books. It's, it's all, it's all just about, you know, reading a lot of times it's uh, people's lives or, you know, just history of circus. I think you have to find what you, what you, what inspires you to, to be in the circus or to, you know, to have this way of life. Um, for me, it was just, I loved watching videos of, especially like old videos of performers. Um, So when I was growing up, I had like my dad had a whole bunch of collection of VHS tapes from different shows And I just loved sitting there and watching them. Um, I think it's very important that you have either a trainer or you Know what you're doing because a lot of times people can get hurt, especially young kids who have never been in circus and I always had my dad with me, so that was a different story, but when you you're not from the business i think it's very important to have somebody that can guide you through it um and so that way you're safe and you're yeah. not going to get hurt
0: just so you say that because we had um one of our guests on this guy is salama Wabi, who's also a yeah. multi-generational oh, is he, is he not, i guess now now his kids are multi-generational circus performers but he was talking about how he feels like a lot of these super young programs like don't build a fundamental level of skill that is trying to give People an act that they can then go and do yes. and perform performance like middle school or whatever, and it's setting up young people for failure because they don't have a good Foundation, space. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Well,
1: also, I I had one question that I realized I never asked. But so, your your mom or your dad always are in your act,
2: right? Uh, not always. No, um, I do need somebody that I can trust and somebody that travels with me to hand me the bow. In a long contract, I can find somebody on season that will, you know, I can train with them and Mm. have them do it. Um, My family's just very close. Like, we, it's either my brother, my dad, my mom. Um, You know, I, I, we try to stay together as much as we can, as crazy as that sounds, because my brothers, you know, in one show, my dad's in another (laughs) show, me and my mom are in this show. But um, we try to stay together as much as we can. And I, we're very family. Oriented, that's so, so. nice because when
1: your mom came out to give you the, the bow and mm-hmm. arrow Josh was like, that's her mom. I'm like, that's so cute. <laughs> I'm going to make you give me my bow and arrow. Just when I learn to yeah. you, it you that <laughs> I will come out every show.
2: The, cross, your... the crossbow.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. When that, I yeah, learned the crossbow,
2: land, crossbow.
1: You can't take a lane trick. I'm going to be my, my, my manservant to give um, me my crossbow. Going
2: back to the foundation of tricks. So my dad likes to train other kids to do, he can train like basically any act because he's just, he's a very good, he likes to observe, you know, different skills and he, I don't know, like he's so, it's amazing that he can see, you know, the teeter board act and watch the guy come out of the teeter board and he already knows if he's going to land it or mm-hmm. not. Like he has this, I I I don't know, like... me so what our, happens, though, growing
0: up in the circus and yeah. doing so yeah, many acts and it. seeing yeah. so yeah. many acts. Yeah,
2: so he's great at stuff like that, and um, I'm a, I don't consider myself a good, like, teacher or trainer, but a lot of times people ask me for advice. Um, my brother's a hand balancer, so he'll ask me for advice, but it's different because he's at kind of, like, a higher level, but for me to train someone from zero, I... That would be very hard for me because I, I don't really remember how to start. Oh, yeah. I do know how to, you know, stretch and stuff like that. So like uh, the little girl on the show that's with us now, she she's always stretching with me and doing splits <laughs> and stuff like that. And I stretch with her. Um, but I think that for someone to, to learn and act, it's important to have a lot of patience. And which mm-hmm. is... That's something that is not really taught. Mm -hmm. It's just they go into doing tricks when, like, for me, I spent a whole year practicing every day, three to four hours, just being on my hands. I wasn't allowed to do any trick. I was just resisting, like, how long can I stay on two hands? How long can I stay? And I would want to do one arm, like, so bad. And my dad was like, no, you're not taking your arm off until you can do, like, at least three minutes staying in two hands, like comfortable and not, you know, breathing heavily or not having your face turn red. So, and it, it's really boring. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's horrible because you want to do, you know, you're excited to do more yeah. things. And then once I would do that, my dad's like, okay, now we're going to just do time on one arm. So you're just going to do right arm. And then you're going to do left arm. You're just going to stay as long as you no tricks. And it was the same for him, for his training with uh, the slack rope. It's like, my grandfather used to be like, well, you're just going to walk, you know, just walk it. Just feel comfortable <laughs> in it. My da- And like sometimes my dad would be like, oh, yeah, but I'm thirsty. And he's like, OK, stay there. I'm going to bring you. I'll get you a drink. <laughs> you're going to drink it up there. So it's just it's a matter of just being comfortable with what you're doing first. And then everything else just comes so easy. Um, and that's something that they don't. Yeah, I think really... that
0: patience is an amazing piece of advice
2: yeah. as well.
1: Yeah. I was just imagining standing in a handstand for three minutes and
2: how awful that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how
0: long you can hold a regular handstand for? At this point? Now? Have you tried? Yeah.
2: Uh, I haven't tried. Probably around five minutes with, with just two hands. Yeah. yeah. Probably like five <laughs> minutes. I don't really know what condition I'm in right now because when you stop training something, like it's.
0: Yeah, you got to work at it to keep it yeah. up.
2: Yeah, but I know I can. I can do about five. We'll minutes. call it Guinness Book of World Records. Yeah, she yeah, it yeah I can do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> set the record. Okay, and our final question is: Who do you think we should have on the podcast?
2: Uh, I think anybody in the show is very thrilled to be in a podcast podcast and there's very interesting stories a lot of the cast that is in our show um have been for generations a lot of them have big names like the tuniziani uh, family you know all the brothers yeah, they're uh, crazy i think that would be really fun to have all three, all three. Brothers I was just thinking that, yeah <laughs> sitting here when we were
1: there he got the quad oh um, yeah flying, and i
2: am yeah. like yeah and never
1: seen anyone nail it I've, we've seen people try it yeah like, over and over and like never get yeah
2: but yeah his first try too it was so good it's such a it's such a difficult trick. I mean, it's so and we all like you only get a couple try like you can't even when he practices, he only gets like 3 or 4 because the catcher, you know, he right. his legs start hurting and you know, his arms start hurting. It's such a demanding trick, you mm-hmm. know, that it's super exciting when he gets it everybody just screams in the I backstage and, and
1: you could tell it was like yeah yeah <laughs> like, and then josh was like i need a photo with him yeah. like, okay fangirl. girl <laughs> yeah that's good that's good i mean i i love hearing anyone who's grown up in the circus because it's so vastly different than any reality i knew existed yeah. and uh so I think I think that's a good idea, especially if you have
2: all three brothers. Yeah, yeah. and that's... they all have like they all have families, so their kids their are their kids are they're so, they're so cute. Yeah, so it's it's I think it'd be great to have them here.
0: Great, Elaine, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank really you, you guys for having me.
2: You. Thank you. And
1: that was our interview with Elaine Kramer.
0: If you enjoyed today's episode. Follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, tweet us, write us an email at hello at hideawaycircus.com, subscribe on iTunes, and leave us a rating. Have a happy Thanksgiving.
1: Happy Thanksgiving! Enjoy your turkey.